sort of eerie, huh? Well, <laughs> Merry Christmas, right? Well, thanks for coming to New Hope this morning. So glad that you're here with us. I'm excited you're here with us as we kick off this new series called Christmas as we go through this Christmas season. So welcome in person, welcome online as well. I want you to picture a time where you had your garage and or maybe your home in like perfect order. Like it, it was just like just how you wanted it. It was straight, it was cleaned. And then eventually it got to a mess again, right? I mean, how many of us has this happened? Has this happened where, man, it's all in order and all it's like a mess, right? I mean, here's an example of how it goes, okay? So here's a, a clean garage, right? We've all been there, maybe once. No, we've all been there, right? But then eventually it moves from order to some disorder, right? Sort of gets to disorder. And then eventually it gets to disaster, like just a total mess. I mean, it's just like, Man, I can't even park the car in there. I can't find anything. Where did I put it? And it just gets out of hand, right? Well, I mean, this is a picture of our garage, or maybe for some of us, if we're honest, it's a picture of our home as well. It's, it's reality, right? Especially if you have any little kids around the house. I mean, that's just how it is. I mean, we have one two-year-old grandson, and he can come to our house, and within 30 minutes, he can take it from order to disorder to disaster. I mean, just like run through like a tornado, right? Which is okay, because he's my grandson. He can do what he wants, right? That's just how it is. But, I mean, the reality is if you have people, whether you have young people or old people, things get messy. It's just the reality of it. So as we start this series called Christmas, M-E-S-S, I want to start out by talking about the mess we make because we have not walked in the way that God has called us to walk. And because of that, because we haven't walked in his order, things have turned towards disorder and disaster. If we look at the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we see that God's creation of humankind is in order, like our clean garage, right? But eventually it turns to disorder and then to disaster. So let's start with order. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 131 through verses 2 3. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all the vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from the work of creating that he had made. So why is it that God rested or that he could rest. It was because things were in order, right? I mean, when things are in order, we rest. We have pleasure. But then we move on from order to disorder. To keep things in order, like the clean garage, God gives humankind, Adam and Eve, one house cleaning tip. 
We read it in Genesis 2, 15 through 17. He says this in order to keep things in order. You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will surely die. We read on in Genesis 3 that they are deceived by Satan, the devil, and they end up eating this fruit. And they're deceived in two ways. The devil comes to them and says, listen, you can have autonomy. You don't need God at all. And so they fall this for this deception that we are independent humans. We can do whatever we want, right? It's sort of why our kids, when they're young, and we tell them, hey, get ready for bed, go to bed. And they tell us, no, I'm not going to bed, because they already have this idea that they're autonomous, that, hey, I'm independent. I'm on my own, right? But that's not true. I remember uh, uh, many Christmases ago, I was at my in-law's house, and my young niece, Sarah, was being told by her grandfather, my father-in-law, to get ready for bed. And she screamed at the top of her lungs, you're not the boss of me. I think over too good with grandpa, right? But isn't that us? Isn't that us? I mean, we don't want anybody else to be the boss of us. And that's what Satan was telling Adam and Eve that, hey, listen, you don't need God. You don't need him to be over you or the boss of you. But there's the deception, the lie. Since we are created by God, he owns us. We are his. We are not by nature having any right to do whatever we want. And that was the first deception, the first lie. The second one was that they could be self-sufficient. Yeah, you don't need God for anything or anybody for anything, right? And we have this idea that we have everything within ourselves to provide for ourselves, and we, as individuals, can be self-sufficient. But how is that true, right? I mean, how many of you, over this last week of eating all the food that you've eaten, created it from the get-go and grew it up and processed it so you could eat it? None of you. You are dependent upon others. How many of you live in a house where you created all the product? You grew the trees that built the house, all this. None of us, right? I mean, none of us today are in charge of gravity or the weather or the level of oxygen or where our water is produced or is coming from. And so this whole deception that, you know, we are autonomous. We don't need God. We're self-sufficient. We don't need God in the area of gravity, the weather, water, produce, all these things. And Adam and Eve fell for that lie. So when Adam and Eve ate from the tree, life moved then from order to disorder. And this is what we have today, right? And due to this, Adam and Eve end up hiding on God. In Genesis 3, 9, it says, But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Well, why did they hide? They hid because they knew that they made a mess, right? Why do we hide in life? 
Why do we isolate from God? Why do we isolate at times from other people? Because we know that our life has shifted and we've made a mess in our decisions or our non-decisions, in our actions or sometimes our non-actions, we end up producing a mess. Our lives have gone from order, this clean garage, now towards disorder, this cluttered garage. I mean, some of us in the room may be able to make this statement. I used to be patient with my children, order. But with the stress of work, they get my impatience, now disorder. I used to speak words of encouragement from my mouth, order. But now only speak judgment and criticism, disorder. I used to delete inappropriate pop-ups on my computer, order. But now I click on them, disorder. I used to look for opportunities to serve others, order. But now it's all about me, disorder. I used to carry an attitude of gratitude, order. But now carry an attitude of discontent, disorder. I used to wake up with optimism, order. But now roll out of bed with pessimism, disorder. I used to laugh throughout the day, order. But my demeanor has been replaced with anxious nervousness, disorder. I mean, what would you add? You know, I used to, but now. I mean, life was in order here, but now it's moved to disorder. But this human story of mankind doesn't end with the disordered life, the cluttered garage. As we go on in Genesis, we see our lives like Adam and Eve move all the way from an ordered life to a disordered life to a life of disaster, a garage that is just an absolute mess out of control. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve give entrance to sin into the world. What is sin? It's actions by which we rebel against God, or we step out of bounds for how he wants us to live. So in Genesis 4, we pick up the story of creation of man and woman. Adam and Eve give birth to two sons, Cain and Abel. And right away, we read that out of jealousy, Cain kills Abel. God invites Cain and Abel to bring him an offering or a gift. Abel is a shepherd and brings God his prized lamb as a gift. Cain is a farmer and brings to God just some average crop from his fields. God accepts Abel's offering, but rejects Cain's offering because he knows the condition of the heart. And because of this jealousy, Cain 
kills his brother Abel. I mean, these are the first two offsprings in creation. And one kills the other. We see how rapidly things were in order with Adam and Eve. But they step out of bounds of how God wants them to live, and now their lives move to disorder. And then it moves from there to disaster in their offspring where one brother kills the other. I mean, if our kids were killing each other, it would be a disaster, right? I mean, it was a disaster. It was crazy. So from here, the book of Genesis moves then past Adam and Eve to Noah. And this is a descriptor of the disaster and the discouraging statement by God in Genesis 5, 5, and 6. It says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. Wow. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, we're only 11 chapters into the story of creation, the history of it. We're on page five of 1,109 pages. I mean, it reveals to us how fast the condition of the human heart shifted from order to disorder to now disaster, right? And so here the sequence, again, from order to disorder and now disaster, in the earlier statements, I said that we might be able to make in our life. I used to be patient with my children, order, but with the stress of work, they only get my impatience, disorder. They get my physical abuse. Now it's moved to disaster. I used to speak words of encouragement from my mouth, order. But now I only speak judgment and criticism, disorder. I search for words that will wound and draw emotional blood, disorder. I used to delete inappropriate pop-ups on my computer, order. But now I click on them, moved to disorder, and it's driven me into an adulterous affair, disaster. I used to look for opportunities to serve others, order, but now I am self-absorbed, disorder. I have become narcissistic with the philosophy, screw others, disaster. I used to carry on an attitude of gratitude, order, but now carrying an attitude of discontent, disorder. Nothing's good enough. I'm a complainer. Disaster. You see how these are moving? I used to awake with optimism, order, but now I roll out of bed with pessimism, disorder, and I'm paranoid that the world is out to get me. Disaster. I used to laugh throughout my day, order, but my demeanor has been replaced by nervous anxiety, disorder. 
And I'm sad most of the time and in deep depression. Disaster. I mean, what would you add again? I used to, but now. What has moved in your life from in order, shifting to disorder, but all the way to disaster? What's wrong with the world today? A newspaper editorial once asked, theologian G.K. Chesterton wrote in reply, I am. I mean, what's wrong with the world today? I am. That's what's wrong with the world today. Right? So to clean things up in the garage, God brings the flood. We're familiar with the flood. He starts humankind over with Noah's family. But soon after the flood, humankind moves from order, a clean garage, to disorder and rapidly back to disaster, an absolute mess, with the Tower of Babel, where humankind, again, rejects God's ways and desires to walk autonomously and self-sufficiently in their own ways away from him. And things move from order rapidly to disaster again, a mess. And so this is why we have the series called Chris Mess, M-E-S-S. Because when Jesus came, he was born into a mess. And it is the reason why he came. Because the world had become such a mess. It's the reality of it, right? We see this picture in Isaiah 53, 6. It says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see, we have Christmas, M-A-S, because we have a mess, M-E-S-S, and we need an outside source to get it back in order for us. To clean it up, right? Back in 1989, Brian Scudamore, who was a high school dropout and then a college dropout, started the business, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And to the dismay of his dad, who was a neurosurgeon, who was embarrassed by his son's choice of career, uh, just couldn't believe that's what he was going to do. But he changed his tune after the company became a multi-million dollar company. And what was the success of Brian Scudamore's company? 
Well, part of it is that we all have junk in our life, right? And we all have a mess in our life, right? But the success was that he said, you know what? You call us up, we'll come to your house. All you need to do is point at your junk and your mess and we'll take it away. No questions asked. We'll pull up to your garage, to your house, to your yard, and all you got to do is just point. And we'll take it away. No questions asked. Right there. That was a success, right? There it is. This is why Jesus came and why we have Christmas. So that we can point out our sin, our mess, that we can confess it and that he can take it away. That's what Christmas is about. Us pointing out our mess. Jesus coming as an outside source and taking it away, no questions asked. In the Christmas story, when Joseph was contemplating leaving Mary because she was pregnant before the marriage, the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said to him in Matthew 121, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. What sins do you need saving from today? What mess have you made in your life? What has moved from order to disorder to disaster? that you can't clean up? What is it you need to point at and have Jesus take away today in your life? Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted him as your Savior and your Lord. You've never pointed at the sin or the mess in your life and said, Jesus, forgive me, take it away. Or maybe you have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, but there's an area of your life that you've allowed to move from order to disorder to now disaster. And you need him to take that mess. And so I want to give you that opportunity here this morning. And so I ask that you just bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you want to point at something today and invite Jesus to get rid of that mess, if you want to invite Jesus for the first time in your life as Savior and Lord and and to say, Jesus, take all the mess, (laughs) forgive me, then I just want you to raise your hand. Keep your heads bowed, eyes closed, just raise your hand. Man, Jesus, come on in. Take the mess. Just raise your hand right where you're at. Everyone's heads are down. Just raise your hand. 
Just humble yourself before him. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And so I just want you to repeat this prayer after me and invite him in to be the 1-800-GOT-JUNK guy in our life. Jesus, I invite you in because I have sin. I have a mess. Jesus, I realize that I can't be self-sufficient. I can't be autonomous. Do it on my own. Because all I'm creating is messes. And so Jesus, forgive me for my sin. And I invite you to pack up my mess and take it away. You are my Savior and my Lord. And apart from you, I cannot earn salvation. Apart from you, I cannot transform my life. Apart from you, I can't clean up the mess that I've created. And so thank you for coming in, showing up at the door of my heart, and taking my stuff. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer this morning for the first time, I'd love to visit with you afterwards. If you've got stuff in your life, just recognize that Jesus' love for you is so deep and wide and high and long, you can't measure it for your stuff. And he says that his grace is sufficient to forgive you for whatever. And so as we go in life and as we continue to build some messes, Keep bringing them to him because he is the God of forgiveness and love and he wants relationship with us. This is Christmas to take care of our mess. So why don't you stand and we will close together worshiping him.